Hello and welcome to another episode of Political Agenda brought to you by New Narrative with me, PJ Thumb. Go to newnarrative.com slash join to join and to newnarrative.com slash donate to donate. We need you to continue doing this valuable work. Today on Political Agenda, we have Faris Joraimi, a writer who is going to talk about his book, Raffles Renounced. But before that, I am wearing a blue and white batik shirt. There are two of us sitting in front of a map of Southeast Asia, and my pronouns are he, him. Okay, so welcome to the show, Faris. Thanks, PJ. Would Thanks you for just, having me. For over. our visually disabled, would you like to just quickly describe yourself and tell uh, us your pronouns? Yeah, um, so I'm wearing a red shirt I'm, and a pair of glasses, and my pronouns are he, him. Awesome. Yeah. So the book is Raffles Renounced. Mm-hmm. I'm holding up a copy here for those of you listening on the audio. For those of you in the video, you can see it here. It's Raffles Renounced Towards a Medeca History, edited by Alfian Saad, Faris Joraimi, and Sai Siu Min. Mm-hmm. Tell me how the book came about. Right. So, I mean, I guess um, it's re- it really came about as a result of um, what was happening in 2019. So the Bicentennial. Um, and Alfian had written a play uh, with Walt Rice called Medeca. Uh, in which he tried to kind of perform history. Uh, so with very, you know, no, not much of an extensive plot or, 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 or really fully, fully formed characters, he was trying to um, put um, episodes from the past on stage and kind of perform them as they are as far as possible. Um, and really these were episodes of history that um, kind of could have... Um, gone against the grain of mm-hmm. uh, our historical common sense or the or the, the um, approved official version of Singapore history. Um, and as he, you know, so as he writes in his, in, in his introduction, he was really interested in, you know, in our gallery um, of the past where our anti-colonial heroes. So um, yeah, that happened. He, he co-wrote it with uh, Neo Hai Bin. Uh, at the same time, um, the... Uh, journal Spores, it's an electronic journal, New Directions in Singapore Studies, I think it's its uh, full name. By the way, f- all completely free and accessible online. I think everyone should check Spores out. Um, so members of the editorial committee, uh, Sai Siu Min and Hong Lisa, also wanted to issue a special issue uh, in response to the Bicentennial. Uh, and we all thought, mm, why not uh, put this together as a single volume? Um, featuring chapters of uh, long-form essays um, and in the back um, texts that Alfian staged in the Play Merdeka. So that's how Raffles Renounced uh, came together. Well, the, the central sort of theme of the book is an, mm. is an interrogation of the dominant narrative of Singapore history, yeah. right? And one that's centred very much around Raffles as the as the founder mm-hmm. and Singapore as right, mm-hmm. this blank slate. And then the British came and wrote on it. And that's 200 years later, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So the central theme of the book is a rejection of the standard narrative, the orthodoxy of Singapore history, right? right that's been put out, perpetuated by the PAP government mm-hmm. since, the, since the 80s when we first started creating yeah. a, a new national history. So... Um, can you can you talk about like some of the the issues that the book raises with our standard narrative? Mm. So I think one of the larger themes that the book tries to address is this idea that Singapore's independence was not born out of great struggle and great sacrifice. You know, we had placid negotiations that led to self-government in 1959, and then in and then you know the great fa- um, founding moment of separation from Malaysia in in 65. Um, which, which has led to what 
Tsai Siu Bin calls the predicament of independence rather than an, an independence that's tied to, you know, a great anti-colonial revolution or something that, that compared to Singapore, characterizes a lot of the narrative, uh, the historical narratives in um, other countries, India, Indonesia, for example. So what this book tries to do in drawing attention to a host of anti-colonial activists um, and uh, participating in movements that were tied with, um, you know, the tra- uh, an entire moment of anti-colonial revolution in Asia um, after the Second World War um, is an attempt at kind of you know challenging that myth that Singapore that that you know there, that Singapore never had uh, um, uh, a decolonial moment when in fact actually our history um, is. Uh, you know, it, it contains so many of these um, yeah, so episodes. I know that yeah. pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Right. Yeah. And, and before we get to some of the arguments, I mean, I think I want to explain for the audience, maybe we I can unpack that a bit. Mm. Suman's argument about the predicament yes. or, or her well, statement, really. Mm. Because we say you're Indonesia, there is a very powerful moment, right? Mm. Sukarno saying, you know, we declare independence. Yes. And then... The, the second half of that, all other issues will be resolved at a mm. later date. Yeah. Like that. It's, uh, it's one of the more hilarious yeah. declarations of independence, mm-hmm. um, but also shows how rushed it was, right? Yeah. With, uh, with the end of the war and, and the mm-hmm. Dutch coming back, you know, quickly get it done. Um, when, with, with Vietnam, you, you know, you have Dien Bien Phu, mm-hmm. right? You have these moments that you can say, hey, we want our independence through the, the blood, through sweat, yeah. through tears, mm-hmm. through toil, uh, Although, ironically, I'm borrowing a phrase from an arch-imperialist, <laughs> Churchill. Uh, I apologize. Oh um, but with Singapore, and to a, a lesser extent uh, with Malaysia, mm. with Malaya, a federation of Malaya, negotiation, right? It was silver platter. Yeah. And at the time, uh, anti-colonialists were very suspicious because why would Britain agree to an independence that uh, we didn't fight them for? In mm. other words, it seems like they're shaping the independence, the post-colonial state, to suit them. Mm-hmm. And the, that's what, what happened with Singapore. Uh, and then, you know, in our merger with, with, to create Malaysia, right, with North Borneo, with Sarawak, yeah. we have the creation of uh, Malaysia, which itself is very problematic. Absolutely. Anti-colonial, yeah. uh, sorry, a very colonial construction. Absolutely. Um, and then our moment of independence is... A moment of anguish, mm. Lee Kuan Yew crying on TV, yeah. a failure of his dream. His dream was to become prime minister of Malaysia, yeah. you know. And how does a government then commemorate that, right? Mm. How does a Singaporean government, you know, proudly say, we became independent with our prime minister crying on TV <laughs> out of sadness? Yeah. You, you can't. Yeah. It, 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 so it ends up yeah. becoming, we have this really strange Absolutely. narrative, yeah. right? And but pointing that out, of course, gets mm. you in trouble. Yeah, just just so just right. you know, we'll mention that yeah. just to yeah. clear, but then we'll ignore yeah. that because you know what the heck. It's mm. um, so it's weird because yeah. the national pride is founded not on liberation mm. from from the colonial power, but it's succeeding in spite of you know the peril that we were thrust into as a result of of uh, independent of achieving independence. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a good mm. point, right? It's almost like Singapore's liberation nationalistic uh, narrative is uh hey you guys thought we'd fail screw you guys yeah exactly 
which is um is that a basis on which you can build a coherent national identity and national myth on well i suppose it's worked because because it's a very it, i mean it's a very useful premise on which to generate you know a kind of collective anxiety um surrounding right. you know the the danger that might uh you know that we might fall into should we uh kind of question the very logics that um but what it does it what does it do to our national psyche because mm. you look at singaporeans right and the number one word you always hear wekiasu yeah well of course if our national myth is that oh we're going to fail exactly yeah then of course you're you're kiasu right you know if our national myth is at any moment we could fall into back, pieces yes, yeah fall into pieces then everyone's terrified yeah and you end up with this country this this territory which mm for centuries was yeah. this thriving entrepreneurial yep. port yeah right yep. we were the place where artists and intellectuals, um, you know, intellectuals yeah. dissidents yeah. all over the malay world will come to mm-hmm. f- to to breathe free air yes. to expand their ex- uh, you know um, possibilities and mm-hmm. now we're so afraid yeah and part of that, that is this national myth yeah exactly so you don't have um, so i mean this is uh, one of the lines from alfian's play talks about this you know when you focus your history on murdeka um then you're not then it's not about fear anymore it's about you know your own kind of like self actualization mm-hmm. as a sovereign citizen community um but what we have is a national myth that is founded on fear fundamentally right it's not on you know uh it's it's sure it's you know confidence and looking to the future of a different sort kind of turning away from um the the peril of of independence um, so independence is kind of cast in this kind of dark shadow that it's something that um uh, we were afraid of and overcame um not something that we kind of draw strength from yeah. and i i think it, it it also needs to be said that this is this narrative is not one that the pap originally started mm. with they started with the idea of tabula rasa in in that they wanted to break us away from the malay world mm. you know in in 1965 any reasonable reading of our history would take us back into malaya because right. we were part of malay we right. still are geographically yeah. ge- geographically we're part yeah. of malaya um historically culturally we were part of malaya right um so th- for 20 years it was we have no history mm. and then in the early 80s the pap started losing by elections ah and then they're like oh singaporeans don't know uh, the history of singapore they're not grateful to the pap okay oh, so we create a new history uh that comes out the first history singapore history textbook uh, 84 based very much mm-hmm. on the work of a british historian working in hong kong mary, mary turnbull Jungle. may she rest in peace wonderful mm. lady um but she perpetuated a very british centric yeah. view of history So the first textbook of Singapore history has raffles on the cover yep. which brings us back to here mm-hmm. and the creation of a national myth that actually because you can't do the Malay world yeah and tabula rasa is clearly not working because mm-hmm. hey people are voting against the PAP <laughs> so there must be something wrong with the people right, right right so now you put raffles on the cover and that brings us back to here mm. so an alternative great man myth yeah right Yeah, I mean one that by connecting it to this British past you yeah. then avoid some of the problems that um you know arise from other readings of history but it's mm. also natural because you're going to create a a sort of neo-colonial state. Absolutely. 
well, then the obvious narrative has to be a colonial narrative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if they realized it at the time. Yeah. But of course, even then, um, it was celebrating 25 years of our yeah. self-government, right? Yeah. 59 is a date that seems to have been tossed out of history. Mm. And then they do it again as they start losing more seats uh, in the early uh, 90s. 90s. Right. We have a whole new Singapore story created um, which comes out in 97 mm-hmm. and the recasting of you know this is this is part of what annoys me right they yeah. accuse me of revisionism but they've completely Absolutely. rewritten yeah. our history yeah 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 multiple the, times yes. yeah 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 and I mean the bicentennial is part of that exercise yeah. right it's that and it's and that's the genius of it really because it on the out on you know outwardly it seems like they're throwing out raffles and they're saying like oh you know we have a much longer history 700 years mm. we're not starting at 1819 but fundamentally you know the kind of assumptions and um the the ideologies that shape our understanding of singapore history the frameworks are still colonial mm. right they haven't it's not a critique fundamentally of you know uh, what Singapore sort of uh, was built on as a result of the imperial project, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, and they still haven't kind of like squared with like a, a proper reevaluation of raffles. I mean, you had feeble attempts. Um, so you know, with the exhibition at the Asian Civilizations Museum, for yeah. example, and things like that, kind of saying that, oh well, actually, raffles is kind of. Uh, scholarship is a little bit patchy but mm. beyond that i mean like the, the his kind of apotheosis in singapore history has not been reversed mm. yeah um so so the book it's it's yes. got a whole bunch of different very interesting perspectives mm-hmm. um and it's also clearly a a challenge to the very raffle centric yes. view of singapore history can you yeah. tell us more about that challenge and the which perspectives are included or what you tried to include in, yeah. in why so I think one of the, um, I mean, this this idea of a Merdeka history was really something that we wanted to forefront. Um, and through this idea, I think um, it, it's it's really trying to get at multiple uh, objectives. So one, Merdeka history, because we do want to kind of um, turn away from, you know, that period in Singapore's history as a time of, you know, oh, you know, we're all, we, we were so divided and we were so, we were living in squalor and filth and the PAP rescued us. We, so, so really trying to have a different, uh, you know, trying to, trying to challenge that um, with um, looking at the period as a moment of decolonial struggle, uh, as a moment of um, trying to reimagine an alternative future, um, uh, as, as, as people in this part of the world, uh, as Malayans, uh, etc. Um, so that's one, kind of focusing on na- uh, episodes in history about anti-colonial movements. Um, the other part was also thinking about um, our history as one that's inextricably tied to the region, because the, idea, the, 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 the word Merdeka and, the, and, and what Merdeka meant, right? Mm-hmm. Liberty uh, was something that anti-colonial movements in Indonesia, in Malaysia, even Brunei uh, were, 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 were participating in. It was a, we were participating in a much larger uh, anti-colonial movement uh, in the Malay world. Uh, as Hong Lisa points out in her chapter as well, and people who use who who embrace the term Merdeka, um, of you know um, multiple ethnic and cultural backgrounds in Singapore, uh, were using it with the consciousness that their anti-colonial effort 
was part of a broader decolonization of the Malay world. Okay, so what is a Medeca history? You know, especially as opposed to this um, other standard reading of history that we already have, a very great men-centric yeah. and always yeah. men. Mm. Um, tell us, what's a Medeca history? So, um, I guess, so it, it's really Medeca history in multiple senses of the word. So, Medeca in the sense that we are centering decolonial movements, uh, figures, personalities, um, from Singapore and the region, um, but also the way we organize um, history, uh, the uh, how we organize our approach to doing history, right? That does not center or, or always uh, that or, or is always reliant on colonial frames. So, for example, the idea of um, you know the the. The, the great founding, you know, by Raffles, for instance, or this idea that uh, there was no anti-colonial struggle in Singapore, that kind of independence was something that was thrust upon us, uh, and that, you know, we that, that there was no kind of, um, you know, anti-colonial revolution to, to achieve it. Um, so in drawing attention to these things, we really want to kind of uh, think about how, well, actually in Singapore, there were also decolonial movements, um, uh, that's one. And like I mentioned, um, really pushing against a history of Singapore that's always, you know, tied to the global and the migratory, um, but really the also, but also kind of centering in, in the local and the regional, because the idea of Merdeka is uh, also something that our immediate neighbours uh, share and and consider sacred. I mean, those countries and places like Malaysia, Indonesia, this notion of Merdeka in the past still has a sacred aura, mm. right? Uh, whereas in Singapore, we've kind of lost that it's lost that sacred aura and to kind of rehabilitate it in our uh, popular consciousness, I think is an important um, uh, part of the project of this book. Okay, so how do we, what are some ways in which we can achieve a Medeca history, right? How do we reframe Singapore history? What are some different frameworks, alternative ways we can look at it? Uh, One of them, you know, as I mentioned, I remember in a talk mm, at Yale NUS, which yeah. I think you helped organize, mm. right? Um, was, Freshman year, this was. Wow. Okay, that was a while back. Um, that language, mm. the person, the scholar who learns Jawi is mm. going to own Singapore history in a yeah. way that no one else, you know, they'd be totally unchallenged mm. uh, because they'd be able to access sources, mm. not just here, but in the region, yeah. right? Um, that no one else could, could read and apply mm. that to our understanding of our own past. But yeah. what are some other ways, you know, other languages or other perspectives, other frameworks mm. through, we can, through, through which we can achieve a Medeca history? Well, I guess one other... So, I mean, this is... Um, there are many ways to kind of, like, approach uh, a Medeca history. Um, um, one of... Well, and, and the book kind of goes at length into offering multiple ways we can do this. We can, de we can you know, reject the logics of essentialist racism that you know uh that the na that you know national history kind of adopts again inherited from colonial history um we can reject the great man narrative um but what i think one one other alternative uh framework or organizing theme that we can use to look at singapore's past is play because i think there are i, I think what's not so you know little attention has been focused to you know uh looking at singapore history as a history of play um, and what I mean is that, you know, because the, when we look at Singapore history, there's so much uh, emphasis on labor and production. Mm. You know, Singapore's history is economic history. People talk about developments, um, 
you know, in colonial times, we had coolies and Samsui women who 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 built the entrepôt, and then post independence period, it was us with our bare hands, kind of building up the mm. the metropolis from scratch, right? Mm. So very this kind of Lee Kuan Yew sort of mm. trope that he likes to summon. Um, but you know, a lot of these histories kind of look at these people as if you know they didn't laugh, they didn't chuckle, they didn't mm. go and you know see a show. Whereas, like you mentioned, I mean, Singapore was the hub of entertainment yeah. in the region, right? And um, it, and and so influential uh, was its pull that it you know attracted people from Java, from the Philippines, um, um, uh, really all parts of the region to kind I, of. I yeah. love the old. I I always quote Zubir Said's yeah. quote about coming to Singapore, which was, um, what was it now? Mm. The land of butter and kopi, kopi susu. susu. Yes, so exactly. evocative. So, yeah. so, so it's that so suicide, yeah. right? Yeah. It's so yeah. simple and so exactly. evocative. Yeah. Yeah. It was electric lights, yeah. um, kaya and kopi susu. So it's, oh, okay. it's things like that. I mean, really uh, looking at how Singapore was also part of, you know, Southeast Asia's jazz age in the 1920s. Yes. And then in the, you know, Bangsawan and the cinemas and the, you know, the theme parks. Um, and it's also a Merdeka history because, you know, culture doesn't just emerge out of thin air. It's also a domain of work. Mm. You know, um, it's also a... Um, you know, it's it's uh, as as a realm of uh, cultural expression, um, but also you know um, the result of uh, you know a whole host of you know people with different vocational kind of like um, specialties from uh, composers, you know, actors, etc., uh, coming together to kind of um, uh, you know um, supply the city's mass entertainment industries. Um, and so when we think about history as, I mean, Singapore as a site of entertainment and play, um, maybe we can learn to take ourselves less seriously because, I mean, this is part of the national psyche that Singapore is this place of hard work and mm. economic growth and things like that elides the fact that Singapore for a long time was also a place of, you know, entertainment and, mm. and frivolity. We yeah. were called Singalore. Singalore, yeah. Yes. You know, and like really, you know, the... the well, yeah, I mean, you could go on at length about, you know, the decadence of, of, of some of these things. But really, I think also to kind of think about Singapore in a different light, mm. um, as a place of leisure, mm. and not always this place of, like, discipline and, and, and mm. hard work. Yeah. Yeah, mm. and I mean, well, first of all, you know, we... I mean, one of the comparisons I, I, I try to make, right, is you watch Pirates of the Caribbean, was it 3? Where Chow Yun-Fat's like, welcome to Singapore. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. But actually... The 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 pirate port town of Tortuga mm. is way more similar to Singapore right. than how Singapore itself was portrayed because right. it was like this freewheeling crazy place anything goes yeah. the British yeah. East India Company were trying to conquer it mm-hmm. but you know the pirates were defending it because it was it was um, this bastion of um, liberty right. of fun exactly. right and yeah, you, yeah. anything could be bought anything right. could be sold there right. and that was singapore yeah, right yeah, for yeah. most of our history yeah, yeah, yeah. so so that's the first thing mm-hmm. but the second thing and the more fundamental thing here is actually our history is also in the grip of these very huge forces that have shaped the 20th century yeah. and on the one hand nationalism the nation state the desire to conflate mm. the nation, which is imagined, yeah. and the state, which is negotiated, mm. into something which is very real and hard-edged, yeah. right? And yeah. force this and control it. Our history is also captured by that. Yeah. And the other neoliberal capitalism, something is only worth 
what yeah. you're willing to pay for it. Yeah. You know, and our history again is trying to justify Singapore's exactly. worth yeah. through the fact that we're we it makes money, yeah. right? And the only kind of history worth telling is the history about what makes money. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But if so, it's it, it's it's so important mm. that we tell these other histories, mm. not just because they're worth something in and of themselves, but they help us yeah. break free Precisely. of two very toxic ideologies, which yes. are the you know maybe the central points of contestation mm. in our modern world. We're mm. never going to progress as humanity if we yeah. don't break out of toxic nationalism and, and neoliberal capitalism. capitalism. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, really, yeah. This kind of like looking at the the history of of uselessness. I think it, it more needs to be done on that because there's always, you know, this we the, people think that history is always a study of like important events, important people, important things. But what is the important? I mean, mm. everyday people living everyday lives. They're not, you know, busy, you know, nation building, you know, that's not how lives are led. Lives are, I mean, in 50 Singapore, people were going to the cinema, people were going to the dance hall. I mean, yeah, that's, you know, the real history of everyday life is, you know, a lot of it is leisure and play. Yeah. Yeah. Mm So, okay, something I forgot to mention, like, so how do you, this, all these, like, token attempts to bring back, um you know, other, to, to bring alongside other people in Singapore history, right? Mm-hmm. Your, your criticism, um, your, your chapter in this book, if I remember correctly, started off as, a, as an op-ed. Mm-hmm. You were critical of the arrivals. Yeah. Um, and the arrivals was four statues next to raffles mm-hmm. of Munshi Abdullah, Sangnila Tama, Santok Singh. Singh, and... Naraina Pillay. Right. Um, can you can you summarize that argument for us? Like, what was your issue with that? What what you know what what so made what, you? So yeah, what, what was your stru- Yeah, what struck me as really strange when I saw the arrivals was that you had these. I mean, they were trying to. It was part of the bicentennial's plan again to not talk about raffles and say that uh, Singapore history is not just raffles in eighteen nineteen, but they were ha- they were taking on board these sort of non European figures from Singapore's past. And making them look like raffles by, you know, turning them into poly marble statues. Yeah. So to me, that was so emblematic of how, at the end of the day, it really wasn't about shattering the raffles myth. It was about kind of, make, you know, expanding it to accommodate uh, a wider cast of contributors. Mm. But the, the crux of it, which was, you know, the, the centrality of the colonial was still not being interrogated or called mm. into question. Um, so a lot was happening in the aesthetics of that work, I feel, that, that spoke, that reflected so much of uh, the thinking behind the Bicentennial Commemoration. Uh, so uh, what I set out to expose in the essay was precisely this, this, this um, the, the trope of the pageant, the colonial pageant, mm-hmm. um, in which, you know, different Asian communities uh, kind of, you know, pay tribute to their colonial master, um, which, you know, really is a, sort of a, a component of racial governmentality, right? It, it's, it's the colonial regime that classifies and organizes its population and yeah. kind of, uh, you know... Um, uh, that, that that's really part of uh, you know the colonial administration, um, and many and many aspects of that are kind of still perpetuated today in the post-colonial state with your things like your self-help groups and and you know your racial census which still hasn't gone away. Um, 
And and that is, you know, that's kind of also part of the Singapore story, right? This idea that the different racial communities in Singapore all contributed to mm. the city's development in some way or another. Um, and what that does, the harm that it does, is that it elides, um, you know, the kind of really creole cosmopolitanism that was um, thriving and flourishing um, in Southeast Asia, and more specifically the region that Singapore is in, the Malay world, um, before the colonial racial census was introduced. Yeah. Um, the other thing that it does is that, you know, it perpetuates um, this need for an authoritarian, an authoritarian regime to mediate between uh, these groups that we consider that, that that we assume are always innately antagonistic. So again, this anxiety, right? That without the British or without the PAP, um, Chinese and Malays will always, you know, kind of like uh, have riots, or or that you know um, that you know certain troublemaking communities are going to uh, wreak havoc on social order, etc. Um, yeah. So so kind of. <laughs> So what I really wanted to do also was to kind of think about uh, a Singapore history that was connected to these wider cosmopolitan, uh, you know, um, histories um, in the Malay world, um, which then kind of undermines our need for a figure like Raffles. Because, the, because so much of Raffles is justified precisely mm -hmm. by this myth of racial groups that are innately antagonistic, mm -hmm. you know, and, yeah. and that Raffles was some kind of neutral figure yeah. uh, that unites uh, Singapore's different communities, right. you know, a kind of great man that we can all lay claim to. Right. Yeah. I mean... Isn't that weird? Yeah, that, 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 is, that is so... Because there's... Okay, there's so many things to unpack there. The, yeah. first, the first is this idea that we need great men, and it's to always men, it. right? Yeah. And inevitably, very often, in it's white men and now it's Chinese men to come and solve our problems for us. Yeah. Which is crazy. We, you know, it, it takes away the agency of mm. people to lead their own lives and resolve their own problems. Right, right. I mean, it's, you know, the, for most of colonial history, the colonial presence was very light and thin. Mm. And a lot of issues were resolved... Um, within the communities, mm. not through a heavily interventionist government. Absolutely. It was only between the wars, right, that the government began to take a lot more of an interventionist, trying to shape society mm. as, the, as society expanded to the point where it was getting very worried about, um, in particular, actually, about international movements. Yeah. Um, like what we're talking about, nationalism, and uh, independence movement, yeah. self-determination movements yeah. that rose yeah. between yeah. Pan -Islam. the Pan-Islam. Yes, yeah. Pan-Islam. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So that's what Special Branch was created to do, mm. to like, keep an eye on all these things and yeah. suppress them. Um, but that, that's, it's a very infantilizing yes. We need raffles. We yeah. need Lee Kuan Yew. Yeah. You know? And to a less extent, we need Sang Nila Utama, mm. and we need Munshi Abdullah, and we See, need Tan Tok Singh. And that's the problem and, with the Sang Nila Utama myth yes. as well, because, you know, it's a flattening of, you know, Malay histories, right? Mm. Because you have this kind of figure of a primordial founder, mm. um, who's also kind of like, I mean, his prominence is also a product of, like, colonial historiography of this region, but that's a, a whole separate conversation. Um, and how he's kind of been seized by Malay nationalists to serve this 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 agenda, um, and and it's also problematic because you know it it again it kind of uh, undermines um, 
the uh, the, re- the the region's diverse histories. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to come back to that yeah, because yeah. that is very interesting. Mm. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Um, but let's come back to this other issue of race mm. because it is actually the British who create race in Malaya. Absolutely, yeah. Right? And this, I know it's very hard for people to understand today because that's we have absorbed this to the point where we think of everything through the prism of race. Mm. We're an extremely hyper-racialized yeah. society yeah. because that's how the government, one of the ways in which it categorizes us and mm. controls us. Mm. But it was a fundamentally British creation. Yeah. And so much of what we assume is traditional mm. in Malaya Absolutely. are all British yeah. creations. Yeah. Um, can you break this down a bit for us? Mm. Especially, I think people uh, need to understand the complexity of um, a lot of the audience, I, I think, will need to understand the complexity of what it means to be Malay. Ah. You know, I think maybe uh, if you are part of the majority Chinese in Singapore, mm. you, you understand yeah. that hey, the Chinese are not a homogenous group, mm. right? You have historically a lot of different groups sure. in Singapore. Cantonese, yeah. Teochew, Hokkien, yeah. Hakka. Yeah. And they can understand that there is a lot of diversity in the quote-unquote Chinese community. Mm. Of course, Chinese itself is a category that was created through the colonial encounter, <sighs> right? Absolutely, People yeah. before the you know, 18th, 19th century wouldn't think of themselves as Chinese. Yeah. You know, they think of themselves as the village, the uh, county, the mm. province they're mm. from, the language they speak, yeah. right? Things you can, which are demonstrably true in the sort of yeah. objective reality of our world. Yeah. Yeah. But this broader idea of a Chinese nationalism yeah. also created through the colonial encounter. Yeah. Um, so again, right, um, when you... S- when you grew up in Singapore, you think there's just Malay. Mm. And then you start realizing that there is there are so many different yeah. um, sort of mm. groups that in Singapore fall under Malay. Yeah. Whereas in, say, Indonesia, they're all classified separately. Right, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I mean... So that's interesting yeah. <laughs> that you brought up Indonesia because what that shows, what that demonstrates really, is two very different conf- uh, kind of like... Um, ideologies entirely so in singapore which was also like 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 we mentioned earlier was part of malaya their response to the the, the response of local uh, indigenous communities in singapore in malaya was to coalesce around this idea of the malay race right the the malay um you know race nation you could say the bangsa melayu that idea um, and and you know and so yes, it involved the participation of diverse groups of people: Javanese, Minangkabau, Melayu, um, etc. And and Malays from all over, from Palembang, coastal Kalimantan, whatever. Whereas in in, in Indonesia, well, in parts of Sumatra, you did also get people buying into this idea of the Malay race nation um, mm-hmm. as a response to colonial rule, but. Um, on the whole, they kind of oriented more towards an idea of civic nationalism, right? Mm-hmm. Where there was an Indo- a Bangsa Indonesia, an Indonesian uh, nation state. Um, and groups like the Malays, the Batak, the Javanese, Minangkabau would be considered their own discrete, you know, ethnic group, the Suku. So um, that, that I, this idea that Malay is a sufficient category to encompass a wide range of diverse communities in Singapore is also a product of that moment uh, where Malay thinkers and, and anti-colonial activists kind of conjured this, the, uh, the idea of, uh, of the Malay race nation. 
Um, that said, so this is where it gets tricky because then a lot of people also, uh, especially um, in today's context, um, opponents of um, Malay racial supremacy in places like Malaysia uh, use this to say that, hey, actually, uh, you know, the idea of Malayness is a colonial construct or it's part of a very recent ideological production by nationalists. That's also not true because, because if you're looking at, you know, pre uh, pre-20th century um, sources um, stretching all the way back to like the 16th century, um, you do have mentions of, um, you know, the Malay people, Malay mm-hmm. polities, Malay, uh, you know, Malay-speaking societies. Of course, the language was spoken um, all over the region. Um, so I think grappling with the multiple meanings of Malayness as it mm. changes over the centuries is important. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly fluid and contingent upon time period, place, um, yeah, and, and what it's being used uh, to respond to, right? So talk, talk us through, and I know um, mm. Alfian covers this in his play, mm. but the, the difference between the Malay and the Bugis, Mm. Right and ah. that 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 sort of contestation, yeah. Singapore is 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 very much part of that. The and you know our history is shaped by that, mm. but it is completely absent from our own history and yeah. historical narrative today. Mm. Maybe partly because it's it's pre Raffles, but even, yeah. you know Raffles yeah. was um in and his in uh, interventions mm. in um, in Java. Right, uh, but the whole intervention in Singapore was very much also, um, if I remember correctly, the the two sultans were half brothers, and yes. then one was from a Malay mother, and the other from a Bugis mother. Uh, my... I believe so. Okay, well we can, yeah. we, we can check it later. <laughs> but you yeah. know, there was a, a direct intervention into mm. a a contest. Yeah. Right, and today we have. We see Singapore as Malay island, but mm. not a Bugis island, mm. because the Bugis traders were also pushed out of Singaporean trade, because yeah, yeah. they wouldn't, um, you know, do what the British said. Whereas mm, the mm. Chinese traders were happy to plug themselves into this broader colonial mm. capitalist structure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this whole idea of uh, Malay and Bugis, mm. right? And today, Bugis. I guess if yeah. you're Bugis, you can't be subsumed under Malay. Mm. Um, well, that's the yeah. thing, because like you know. Um, as as early as the 18th century, the Bugis who, I mean, again, this is like a like a like a canned history, but um, but ever since the the fall of Makassar in 1666, when the Dutch kind of like invaded um, the the really the epicenter of Bugis commerce in um, the, that part of uh, the archipelago, it entailed the dispersal right of the Bugis to you know the Western Malay archipelago. So. The uh, and the Bugis kind of began to uh, settle in places like Selangor, Johor, and and of course Riau, where they became really active in Malay politics. Since then, around like the 18th century, you really get Bugis who like didn't speak the Bugis language and became oh, kind of okay. absorbed into Malay cultural practices. So they became. Can people yeah. see here? Oh, the, the Sulawesi. Yeah, Makassar Su- Makassar is down, is down there. Down here, yeah, right. Yeah. This, a little bit of Sulawesi sticks into yeah. these. Is this Sunda, the Sunda Sea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Sunda Sea is here. So yeah. you've got like a whole dispersal, and when they reach this part of of the Malay world, um, became kind of absorbed into um, the cultural 
traditions um, there. So they spoke Malay, they right. dressed like Malays. Um, of course, they'd still use Bugis terms um, for, you know, kind of like offices of state and things like that and engaged in some um, Bugis uh, practices. But certainly by the 19th century, I mean, people like Raja Ali Haji in mm-hmm. Riau um, were already kind of like absorbed into the Malay cultural sphere. Um, but what's interesting, and but the, see, this is the other problem because we can't kind of like essentialize Malay and Bugis, right? Yeah. Because they are kind of like... Um, fluid identities. What we can say is that even if those sort of um, those Bugis groups retained elements of their of their Bugis cultural identity, they were participating in a Malay state system, right? Mm-hmm. With its court traditions, its norms of diplomacy and reception, mm-hmm. um, um, its titles, uh, because there was awareness that sure they they were there for trade, but they needed the prestige that participation in or membership in a Malay kingdom gave to them. Mm. Yeah. So it, it really mm. shows the sort of um, malleability of identity. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure back then there were yeah. also people who lamented, oh, we're no longer, you know, truly Bugis because we've changed, mm. you know. Yeah. Th- this is part of the human condition. Right, we change, right. we adapt. Um, and we... The, the the circumstances around us yeah. have a big influence on how we see ourselves and mm. identify ourselves. Mm, mm. Um, and this is a process that is ongoing. So for us to, for a whole modern state to be established on the basis of these very rigid identities mm. actually flies in the face of... Um, all our evidence about how societies exactly. operate. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Right, right. And not just unique to this region, but really uh, um, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. These kinds of... And I mean, if if we can bring this to the sort of current era, right? This is also part of the... One of the biggest challenges facing the world today is Mm. toxic nationalism. Right? People trying to gatekeep these identities Mm. and use membership of an identity to selectively include or exclude Mm. for political gain. Right. And this is where Singapore is going yeah. with these, this whole construction and politicization mm. of race in Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, I mean, I, I, you know, long-time listeners don't have to, mm. you know, will know. I'm, I'm very, very worried about this. Yeah, yeah. We're reliant on a state where, which is able to enforce um, be, this behavior, this um, uh, obedience, mm. right? And force ideologically people thinking this way. But yeah. eventually the state will not be able to. It's already decaying very clearly. Yeah. Yeah. The, there are so many exceptions to these rules. Mm. And what happens when it loses the ability to do so? This conflict is going to erupt. Yeah. And we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And yeah. you're seeing it elsewhere? I mean, look, it's the issue. Look, so the, 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 what, what remains an endless source of fascination for me that demonstrates precisely this problem, right, mm-hmm. is something like the elected presidency, mm. right? Because that was such an instance of the blatant deployment of an essentialized racial category for political purposes, yeah. right? This idea of setting aside a political office for a Malay candidate. Mm. Now, what does that mean, right? Yeah. And so that's why you had all these candidates and people were questioning, you know, their Malayness, the degree of to which they were they could be considered that. And to this day, you've got people calling Madam Halima, like, you know, an Indian Prata woman or whatever. Mm. I mean, very yeah. racialized very insults, right? Racist, yeah. racist insults, right? Um, and then you had them kind of appear before a panel 
Yeah. Of non-Malays to, yeah. for them to be decided, you know, for, to qualify whether or not they were Malay or not. So, yeah, and so it's things like these that really expose how historically these categories are, are incredibly, you know, problematic and mm. not, you know, uh, at all a useful indicator for a person's kind of like um, cultural identity. Mm. Um, yeah, and and all the more, you know, kind of undermines the assumption that we can govern on the basis that people who belong to a certain racial category think the same way, live the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to come back to, uh, you know, hmm. we, it, the British did this yeah. because it was the easy way to govern. Right. But there were clear lines because of language. Mm. And they organised very much on language. Yeah. Um, and that... And, you know, to, to, so for our audience, like what, what Raffles did in trying to separate these groups was also about the language they spoke. And mm. then the British didn't want to spend a lot of money intervening. You know, it was a very, it was a trading port meant for profitability. So right. they appointed a, a sort of headman, Capitan, mm. Capitan China, for example, yeah. to look after that group. And they only interfaced with the person in charge of yeah. the group. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's about bureaucratization and, I, you know, I've talked about this mm. in the show, making things easy for a colonial government, which mm. doesn't care about society, only cares about profit. Yeah. But if you have a government which is directly intervening in society to a very fundamental level to try and create, um, you know, for all the various challenges of nation building and go- governing a state, right? Mm. Um, it becomes very problematic to create identities, but then also at the same time, um, enforce them and then use them for political yeah, gain. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. 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 And and the, you know this is why the there's there's these deep fundamental continuities mm. between colonial rule right. and PAP rule. Right. Which you're pointing out with this book, mm-hmm. which I point out of my work. Right. But which obviously the PAP government don't appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely no. It it's it's so f- dreadfully ironic that they would say that we're doing this because we need to, you know, improve race relations. But the logic that justifies these acts are based on, you know, some warped sense that people are kind of, you know, um, beholden to, um, you know, certain preconceived uh, attitudes or behaviours or thinking just because of their mm. assumed uh, racial identity. Okay, sure. so the last question I want to ask mm-hmm. is the question we ask everyone. Yeah. What's your theory of change? Right? Because wow. no one just does stuff mm. randomly. Mm. You do things because you want to achieve something with them. Yeah. Right? So what's your theory of how things can change, will change, ought to change, have to change, and your intervention to make that happen? Mm. Yeah. Well, I feel like the act of writing itself has, uh, you know, is quite, uh, you know, an established method in, you know, the tradition of decolonial thought and anti-colonial movements in Singapore. Um, because, you know, the history of Malay nationalism is really the history of, um, of, of the press and newspapers. Mm. Um, and so I think I feel like I draw from that, that spirit and that tradition in, in, in um, kind of seeing how my uh, the the things that I write can contribute to um, wider change. Um, so it's not like you know it's different from like writing a a, a Facebook post. Yeah. Uh, so you, what you lose in virality, 
um, you potentially, you know, gain in, you know, a work that lasts. Yeah. And so, you know, that that um, probably, t- I mean, it takes time for uh, an article or a, or a book to kind of percolate and for ideas to be absorbed and debated. But, um, you know, I think I do that with the hope that eventually it will find um, whoever needs it, these mm. ideas, and that they will apply it however little to, you know, um, their own way of looking at the world in a different uh, in a different light, and um, and be um, spurred to question. Um, and I think just you know, it's it's really nothing kind of like I'm not I'm not you know we, we don't we didn't set out to write this kind of to say this is the definitive kind of like book that will change Singapore history or or anything like that. I mean it's really it, it's it's um, I mean you do it with um, the realization that uh, or, or to or recognizing that. Um, it it takes time to uh, be to to enter um, the discourse and 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 um, popular consciousness, but that it will in its own little way shift the needle. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. So you've just literally graduated from uh, university. That's so uh, next week. Next week. Right. Wow. Cool. By the time this comes out, you'll have graduated. Yeah. So uh, congratulations. Thank you. But Thank what you. next? Like, what what do you plan to do? Especially, you know, in the light of this, you want to write. Yeah. Um, do you have any plans? Yeah. Yeah. So I've got. I mean, I've got. I've got um, some research work lined up after this. Um, I'm hoping to get into graduate school where I'll probably continue kind of um, uh, engaging in my interest in the history of, of the Malay world more generally. Um, and as for my writing, yeah, I do want to continue. I, I mean, I've got a bunch of other ideas lined up uh, looking at, you know, um, other topics that are less explored in Singapore history that uh, will, you know, find uh we'll see the light of day eventually <laughs> awesome yeah yeah oh that you you, yeah. you you don't know how how excited i am to hear ah. you say that because <laughs> right. i mean number one there's so much that we don't know about singapore about yeah, yeah. history of this mm-hmm. place but two being a historian in singapore is really lonely it is really yeah. lonely it's a really small everyone fraternity. else that we've mentioned uh has either been driven out of singapore or no longer works like directly professionally as a historian mm. and I suppose technically like mm. as I shift towards more running new narrative yeah. that includes me unfortunately yeah um you know but I'm still I'm still going to publish mm. I'm still mm. working I still got historical work yeah. coming up but I'm so glad that you're going to work on that and we definitely need I mean so much there's just so much out there you know yeah. to that's that's the thing about mm. Singapore history it's it's so unexplored it's so fertile there's yeah. so much to look at yeah and it it would seem like such an easy field to mm. get into. No, no. <laughs> I mean, look, it's really, it's just like the practical, you know, the practical challenges of dealing with, you know, the political reality yeah. uh, that we live in. But it's also, yeah, the sheer, um, the sheer volume of stuff that hasn't been done uh, yeah. also makes it a formidable uh, vocation yeah. <laughs> in many respects. Yeah, I guess, yeah, you're right yeah. there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah. thank you so much, Faris. Thanks, PJ. Thank you for yeah. joining us. Mm-hmm. I've had a really lovely time it talking to you. Yeah. Um, it is, you know, just so much fun talking to a fellow historian. <sighs> Likewise. Yeah, so <laughs> thank you for coming on the show. Thank you to you, the listener, for listening in, or mm-hmm. if you're watching on YouTube, thanks for yeah. joining us. Um, and please do support New Narrative. Your membership uh, fees support all the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you find this valuable, if you find the work that we do valuable, please do join us, newnarrative.com slash join, 
or donate at newnarrative.com slash donate. Um, and thank you very much. See yeah. you next time. Bye. Bye.